Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. We are one, and I love that line, our Jesus, he did it once for all, for all of us. What a great, great God. He's uh, wonderful, our Jesus. This morning, we're here to honor him as we conclude the month of September. It's been our month where we have focused on the missions that we support as a church. And of course, if you've been here once this month or even once this year, you know that our theme has been Be Bold. And if you're visiting for the first time this morning, That's what it's been. We have been talking about being bold for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We've been praying since the start of the year, a prayer that many of you know, and let's pray it. Let's be reminded about being bold. Let's pray, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Amen, amen. I hear it coming through. That is not a prayer that I made up. That's a prayer straight from the Word of God, from Acts chapter 4. It's something that I know has been encouraging many of you, being bold. And this this month, we've talked about getting beyond being a, a lukewarm person. We have talked about being open to everyone. The second week of September, where we had our service with Hope Church, the Arabic language church that's meeting on the other side of our uh, campus every Sunday. We were together on that second Sunday talking about being one, just like we heard in the song, we are one. So we're not being lukewarm. We're open to everyone. We talked about moving from complacency to confidence in Jesus Christ and having the mind of Christ in us. Talked about that last week. And what does that mean, having the mind of Christ or the mindset, the attitude? We were reminded that Jesus put aside his divinity. He's God, but he left his heavenly estate, humbled himself. He became a man and he became a servant, obedient to death, even death on a cross. And having that mind of Christ as being in that place of a servant Exemplifying what he did. The Greek word for that servant that we read in the New Testament literally meant slave. Have that mind to be as a slave to Christ, obedient to the will of our Lord and our Master. And for him we can be bold and we can be passionate and we can be confident and yield to our Master's will for his cause, for his sake. Because he gave his life for us. And so we can be confident to speak as servants of our Lord and our Master Jesus. Now what? If you can say all that, if you can say that you have, you've heard these messages, you've been encouraged, you can be bold and passionate and confident to speak, and you, you are definitely saying, he is my Lord, he's my Savior, and I'll yield to his will. Now what? Well, let's consider a passage to answer that question. Now what? And this morning, 
I bring a passage from one of the Apostle Paul's prison epistles. I want to give you a little background about that. The Apostle, he was in Rome, and he was awaiting a hearing before the sovereign ruler of the Roman Empire, Caesar. And Paul was there on charges that had originally been levied against him by the leaders of the Jews when he was in Jerusalem. They had him arrested. They had him handed over to the Romans. Paul was at a number of hearings, and he said, you've got no business arresting me and putting me before these judges and such. I've done no wrong. And he said, I appeal to Caesar. So to Caesar he went, but I imagine there was a line to get in to see the Caesar. So Paul was in Rome. He was under house arrest. He was being guarded for two years. Acts 28 tells us that Paul had a Roman guard, that he was bound with a chain. And yet, even being bound with a chain in a house that he had to rent, in Acts 28 it also tells us that Paul was proclaiming the kingdom of God, that he taught the word of God, and he proclaimed Jesus Christ with all boldness. And he wrote letters to churches. He was encouraging churches. He was using his time well. So he wrote some letters to churches. That's what we call the prison epistles or the prison letters. Now one of those letters went to a church that was in the city of Colossae. Paul was not the founder of this church. As a matter of fact, he'd never been there. He hadn't even met the people there. But his friend had been there, and his friend was visiting him in Rome, Epaphras. So uh, Epaphras had visited uh, Paul in Rome, and he talked about the church in Colossae, and this inspired Paul to write. So his letter to the Colossian church it opens and it notes that, hey, I've heard a good report. Heard a good report about you and this church you're in. It was from Epaphras, and he talked to us about your faith, your strong faith and your love. And because of that report, Paul and his protege, Timothy, who was also there in Rome helping him, they were rejoicing. They noted that. We're rejoicing. We've heard great things about your church. And then he went on to encourage them about the supremacy and the divinity of Jesus. And he said, he's the invisible God. He's the creator of all. In all things, everything is held together by Jesus. And then he went on to note about his suffering. And he said, I'm suffering here for the sake of the body of Christ. Yet even in that suffering, Paul wrote that he desired to be a servant and he was assured, he was assured beyond a shadow of a doubt that even though he was bound and he was in chains and he couldn't leave his house, etc., that Christ was powerfully working in him. And he wrote this, I, I believe, not to toot his own horn, not to brag about himself, but I believe he wrote it as an encouragement to the Colossians before he really got to the core of his message that he wrote to them. Yes, they had great faith. Yes, they were doing good, loving one another. He was commending them for that. He was rejoicing with them. 
But he also knew from his friend Epaphras that the Colossians were being tempted. They were being tempted by those outside the faith, by those outside Christianity. They were being tempted to deny their faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul wrote, don't be deceived. Stick with Jesus. We we sung that this morning. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And this was a bit about, of what Paul was writing to this church. Stay with Jesus. Don't be deceived. Jesus is eternal. He is the all-powerful, almighty God. He is God. He reminded the Colossians, you were dead in your sins and trespasses, but now you are alive in Christ. You have gone from death to life. Don't be deceived by those who tell you otherwise. Don't be deceived by those who tell you that you need to follow certain rules in order to make it into heaven. You need Jesus Christ. He's the all-powerful God. He is the one way. Do not fall to that deception. Then Paul brings his letter to a close. And he gets down to some practical advice. And I love it. I love when the the Gospels and the the Word of God gets beyond some of the things that are lofty theological doctrines that, yes, we do need to know, but it gets right down to practical ways to live our lives in the kingdom of God. So Paul has this practical advice for wives and then husbands and children and parents. And then there is even advice to those who might be in the bonds of slavery. So he has advice for everyone, regardless of your station in life. And then he gives this appeal, an appeal to all, everybody. With these practical words of, of wisdom, this is Colossians chapter 4, It's verses 2 through 6. And I want to share that with you. It's the the end of Paul's letter. And after this, it's really some personal notes to uh, people. And he commends some of the people that have been helping him. So this is sort of his final advice here in this letter. Colossians 4, 2 to 6. And he writes, devote yourself to prayer. Simple, simple advice. Devote yourself to prayer being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is great advice. Words words of wisdom that are sincere, they're genuine. Do you know how to answer everyone? Paul could write these words about being wise towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity, knowing how to answer everyone. He could write these words with authority because they're not hollow words from this apostle. He was living precisely what he was writing. Remember, he was in chains. He was bound. He was being watched by a Roman guard. Devote yourselves to prayer. He and Timothy were praying for that church. They didn't met those people. 
Yet, at the open of the letter, he said, we're praying for you, we're thankful for you, we thank God always for you, for your faith and for your love. But then note the prayer request that he gave to that church. He said, pray for us. Pray for us to proclaim Jesus Christ. And he wrote that I may proclaim clearly the gospel. And then he gives these words of wisdom which apply to everyone. And they answer our question, now what? Now what? If we've done this thing and we turn from lukewarm and we've moved from complacency to confidence in Christ and we do see him as Lord and Master and we do want to serve him, now what? Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. That is a great, great little compact bit of advice that answers the question, now what? Talk to outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in it. Paul gives us this little phrase, make the most of every opportunity, and it's a metaphor, but we don't really see it. It's a metaphor that's lost in translation. Comes across to us here in this English language Bible. It went from Greek to English, and it comes out, make the most of every opportunity. But Paul was using a term of commerce, a term that was used for buying and selling. This little phrase, make the most. It comes from a Greek word that means to purchase. But not, not just, not just uh, make a little purchase. This, well, he wasn't talking about going to the dollar store. Paul's talking about purchase something in a big way. Buy back something that was lost, something precious, something valuable. Pay a ransom. What would you pay for someone you loved so dearly that was gone? This is what the word ransom speaks to. You'd probably pay everything you had to get back a loved one that was lost. Redeem someone. And that's where Paul's getting at with this word that comes across to us in in the English of make the most. And this was a word that he used in another letter, a letter to the church in the region of Galatia. Paul used this same word twice to describe the redemption, the purchase accomplished by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And you can read about it you just make a note to go read Galatians chapter 3 and 4 and highlight the word redeem every time you see it. Paul used it there to talk about what Jesus did to redeem us from the curse of death because of sin so that we might be, he writes, adopted as children of God. See, because Jesus was buying us back. We were the ones that were lost. We were the ones on our way to hell. We were the ones lost in our sin, and we were dead in our sin. And Jesus, by his sacrifice, gave his life, and he purchased us back with his very life. So Paul uses this word that means redeem. He bought us back. Jesus paid something big, something of infinite worth and value, his life. And Paul uses this same exact term when he writes 
when he writes what we read here in the letter to the Colossians. Make the most. Redeem every opportunity. Make the most of it. Some English Bibles, they will render this line, buy up, buy up every opportunity. Others translate it, redeeming opportunities. You might read, redeeming the time. In other words, do you see the value in every opportunity that you have to share about Jesus Christ with outsiders? Those who've never heard about what Jesus did, what he accomplished by giving his very life for us that we might go from death to life. Every single opportunity, it has worth, it has value because it's about a soul that may go from death to life. So be wise in every way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. See every opportunity as valuable, as worthwhile. And Paul was certainly doing just that. How was he looking at his circumstances? He had written a line earlier. For this message I proclaim, the message of Christ, because I'm in chains. And how did he look at his chains? How did he perceive his chains? As something that was taking him down? Something to be depressed about? Or was it an opportunity? He saw the fact that he was in bonds and he was in chains as an opportunity. Even bound in chains, Paul considered it valuable and a worthwhile opportunity, an opportunity for preaching, for teaching, for encouraging churches and writing his letters. And I'm guessing he had outsiders in his house. We know that because he mentions that in the book of Acts 28, he mentions that there's a Roman guard there watching over him. Perhaps other curious Roman citizens. Who's this guy that's, that they're, they were looking after? And yet he's making the most of opportunities with those who've never even heard about Jesus Christ. So if we've been encouraged over the last month to get passionate and to get confident for Jesus, to consider ourselves as servants, not think of ourselves, not do it because of uh, our ego, what's next? What's next but to make the most of every single opportunity that comes before us? And opportunities are everywhere. If you were not here on Wednesday night, I want to share with you briefly a, a story that we heard from a young lady named Sarah Christian. And if you were here, you probably don't mind hearing it again because I'll tell you what, I was more than lifted and encouraged by hearing about this young lady's life. She was an observant Muslim in a well-to-do family from Saudi Arabia. She said she had many siblings. I believe she said she had seven brothers and a couple of sisters. But of all of the siblings, of everyone in the family, she was the most dutiful. She was the most observant in the Muslim faith. She said, I wore the, the full hijab from head to toe, only a slit for my eyes. She prayed five times a day. She observed all the, the fast. She observed the month-long fast of Ramadan. She was a student in Saudi Arabia, and one day, like students do, she had a computer problem. So what did she do? Well, like many students do in this day and age, she reached out on Facebook. Hey, I got a problem. I need some help. Well, someone responded. 
someone responded and walked her through fixing her problem. And that was someone from Michigan. Someone from Michigan helping someone in Saudi Arabia just fix a computer problem. But that person in Michigan perceived an opportunity. And before signing off after helping Sarah with her problem, this person posed a question about faith. And Sarah said, she laughed. She laughed. She knew someone's trying to convert me to Christianity? Really? Seriously? She laughed to herself. Yet, she said the way this person posed the question and asked her, she said, it just touched my heart. There seemed to be this sincerity and some kind of genuineness. So she agreed, I'm going to contact this person again. And so it happened that they began a dialogue. And each time she connected with this person, the more she was being challenged about her own faith, about Islam. And she was troubled. And ultimately, she prayed. She prayed to Jesus. She said, Jesus, if you're real, reveal yourself to me, please. She was hearing all this through from someone thousands of miles away. Well, that night that she prayed, she said she had a dream. She said, I was in a dark forest, and I was being oppressed by all these things around me in the black forest. But off in the distance, there was a blazing fire. And so she went to the fire, which she knew to be Jesus. And when she arrived at this bright fire, there were people there that welcomed her. People that welcomed her and said, welcome, welcome to Jesus. And she said there was rejoicing all around. And she awoke rejoicing. And she was convinced that all she had heard from this person in Michigan about Jesus was true. And she turned her life over to Jesus Christ. She connected with some of the underground church in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. She lived in a border town. Right, right on the border of Kuwait and Saudi Arabia. Sometime later, she was watching a video about Jesus. She wanted to learn more about him. And her mother caught her watching a video about Jesus. And her mom began to beat her. She said, my mother was going to kill me. She was, I had never been beaten like that. She was beating me to kill me. She said, if my brother had not intervened, I know it wouldn't have been good. And she knew, she said, I love my family, but I knew I had to get out of there. I had to escape Saudi Arabia. She was a woman, and she said, you know, the women really don't have any rights. We don't get passports. We need a letter from someone. Like, uh, she called it a guardian. Every woman's got a guardian. And without a letter, they can't get any kind of passport. They can't get any document to leave their country. She knew she needed a miracle, so she prayed. She said she had a medical problem with her jaw, which required surgery, and her father knew, a doctor in Kuwait. She said, my dad wrote me the letter that I could use to get what I needed to get into Kuwait, and she said that was a miracle because he handed it to me. And she said he had never done that, and he would have never done that. She didn't know why. He would always give it to a brother, whoever was going to drive or give her passage. So she had her papers. Her brother drove her. She made it to the clinic. 
where she said she walked away from her brother. She said it was another miracle because it was as if his eyes were blinded. She had take, t- t- taken off her hijab and she said, I had uh, all, all the clothes on I wanted uh, to travel in underneath and I walked right by him, he didn't even recognize me. She said as if the Lord blinded his eyes and she had contacted a Kuwaiti pastor who was waiting for her outside this clinic who uh, took her to the airport She eventually made it to Lebanon where she had to stay a year and a half moving from church to church underground. Made some plans to get into Canada which changed and she said another miracle. Two months of paperwork. She said it takes forever but this was only two months to get into the US and she got all that she needed to to come properly into the United States and she made it to Michigan. The first person to meet her here in Michigan was this person that had offered her help on the Facebook. And it, it's just an amazing, amazing story, a testimony of God's goodness. She said that family from Michigan, that person that had helped her, they gave her a place to stay. She now works for a ministry that's uh, in, uh, it's in Fraser on, on 15 Mile Road, or, or it's on uh, Garfield at 15 and it focuses on bringing Christ to Buddhists and to Hindus and Muslims. And you know how this change was brought to her? Do you know how it started? That Jesus began to be open to her because one person thought it was valuable. One person made the most of every opportunity, made the most of an opportunity 6,000 miles away from Saudi Arabia helping someone with a computer problem. And asked a simple question. And a life is now on fire for Jesus Christ. She made it to the U.S. in 2015. And it's just on fire. Opportunities abound. Opportunities abound. Are we making the most of every opportunity? Do we see them as valuable, worthwhile, even though they might seem small? There's another person I want to introduce to you this morning to give us a little testimony about an opportunity she had. And she's making the most of it, and that's Joanna Jones. Joanna, would you please come up here? Joanna's been serving at a prayer station in Warren. And you, you may have heard about it. It's in the atrium of the Warren City Hall building. It's been there for about 10 years. There was some controversy when this prayer station first uh, was presented in the, uh, in the Warren City Hall building, but it's been operational for 10 years, and people have been at this little station where it just says prayer station, and they can come up and ask for prayer. Joanna heard about this prayer station not too long ago. Someone visited our Thursday morning service, talked about the uh, prayer station, and after learning about it, uh, Joanna... Could you tell us just a little bit about what, what stirred up in you and why you responded? And Come on over here. You can be front and center. I first read about it in our local paper, and I thought, well, that's a cool idea. They you know, said it's a prayer station, and it was in Warren, and I thought to myself, well, I live in Shelby. 
what that had to do with it, I have no idea. But during that time after I read about it, the song, His Resurrection Power is Moving in This Hour, that Jesus might be glorified. And that just kept hitting me every day, every day. Well, lo and behold, Bishop uh, Beebe was invited by Barry, uh, Reverend Barry, to say something about this. He wanted to expose you know, the, the prayer station in a Thursday service. And I knew as soon as he said what he said, I thought, that's it. I got convicted. And I said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. I'm going to do it. And I did. And uh, what it is, do you want me to explain this? The prayer, a, a little bit. The yeah. prayer station is a table with the sign prayer station on it. It has some literature in front. And there is no solicitation. There is no come over and talk to us. It's if people want to approach, when they approach, we ask them their first name and we say, what can we pray for? We don't um, ask them if they go to church. We don't ask them anything. We're here just to pray for your concern. So, so you just respond to whatever they might ask for right, to, right, to pray for. right. And uh, the thing of it is, is that knowing what Christ has done for me and the confidence I have in him, uh, I, I knew I could do this because I trust him and what he's brought me through and what he has done for me uh, and the power of the blood of Jesus. When he died on the cross, you, you talked about it. He redeemed us to the Father. And after that, he gives us the Holy Spirit that's our teacher and our enabler. And I got to thinking, do I really trust him? I mean, I loved him for all these years, but do I trust him? And, and it's what it is, it's, it's more about you're worried about yourself mm -hmm. more than you will, so, because God can do it. So you believe that... The Lord, the Holy Spirit has enabled you That's when someone's right. come up right. and, and asked for right. prayer. When they ask for prayer. Did you uh, think it, you couldn't do this? Did you think maybe you couldn't pray the, a proper prayer? Or has God just said, listen, Joanna, you can do this. Yeah, you, you don't need pious words. <laughs> you don't need um, fancy things to say. Whatever their need is. That's what you're praying for. And as the Holy Spirit is, is, gives you discernment, in that prayer you might work in a scripture that comes to you. You're praying the word. You're, you're praying a, a line from a song. Uh, you're praying for peace and comfort for them in this situation. You're praying that even though you don't know where they're coming from, Lord, open up their ears to hear your voice. And, and it's wonderful to be able to say to somebody, God loves you. So, Some of them never hear that. Simple. Simple. Honest, simple. sincere prayer for a person's need. Nothing That's flowery. It. Nothing flowery. And you told me that there have been prayers answered. Oh, there have. And they come back. <laughs> That's they great. come back. So you've been encouraged yeah. that this is not... This is not a ministry that doesn't have some uh, fulfillment for you. Right. Well, or I'm encouragement for you. Joy. 
uh, because of the volunteering. But God is sovereign, folks. It's up to him. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's not up to any of you. But if you're faithful with his word, he's the one that does the work, right not me. Right now. Not so me. Uh, you go once a week? I go once a week, and three hours. So it's, a, it's a, maybe like 9 to noon you might be uh, at the table? Is right, there... or 9 to noon or, t or 12 to 3. And, um, but you don't have to go every week? Do you, you no, go... they'll work with you according to your, your schedule, whatever. Um, it's, it's, you know, th think about even if you went once a month, that's three hours out of your life once a month. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, yes. So you've made the most of these opportunities. I love it. You... I look forward to it. Oh. <laughs> and not only that, but the people <laughs> but the people that have come during that week, you're praying for them. It's great. I I'm Thank you. So I, I if love it. <laughs> if, uh, if someone wants more information this is Joanna. You could ask her. Or at our welcome desks, you have contact information contact for information. Uh, anyone that might be interested. This is an opportunity just to pray for someone. That's all and, it is. And, you just pray. You can pray the name of Jesus mm -hmm. and affect a, a life. And that life yep. will no doubt be and different. It's, it's in God's hands. It's not in right. yours. It's in his hands. Right. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Many opportunities. I want to share with you another opportunity. It's a new opportunity for us here at Bethesda Christian Church. It's a ministry that's been around for a couple of decades. And it's a great opportunity that we have to impact families in a community around our church. And it's called Upward Sports. We are going to be hosting basketball and cheerleading through the Upward Sports Organization. It's a great organization. My children uh, were involved in Upward Sports when they were little. This is, uh, yeah, it's a long time ago. I don't want to say how long, but uh, definitely a long time ago. But it was really a great opportunity for them to just learn basics of a sport, but also hear the Word of God. Because at every uh, Upward Sport gathering uh, or game, whatever uh, whether it's the cheer, whether it's uh, a basketball game, Jesus is being promoted. At halftime, they receive a Bible lesson. These, uh, these students, which for us is going to be kindergarten through the sixth grade, they can learn about the basics, the fundamental skills, but more importantly, Jesus. Jesus. They'll learn about Jesus and being able to uh, foster positive sportsmanship and character. And I want to just share a little bit more about the opportunity. We have a video that uh, it's very brief, but just check it out. It talks a little bit about what we need in terms of making this happen.
You can put your faith in action. One-hour practices, one-hour games. We need referees, we need coaches, we need scorekeepers, other volunteers and assistants, help to set up, etc. Well, we really do need those coaches and referees. You don't have to have any experience whatsoever. They'll train you. And uh, we have this beginning, and it begins in November with skills assessment for the uh, players, the students, and then it's an eight-week it's an eight-week season that begins in January on Saturday mornings. And why are we doing this? Is it just for our church and the, the students in our church? No. No, this is a draw to families. And Upward reports 40% on average, 40% of people who respond, who register a student to be involved, they've got zero church connection. They have, you know, they're outside the faith, but they want to have their kids involved. So we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to welcome new families, to share Jesus Christ with a family, maybe a family that's never, ever heard the gospel at all. So we have an opportunity to share Jesus because at every game, at every practice, Jesus is there. And there will be a little lesson and we can freely invite any family. We can freely invite them to things that are happening here at our church. We can invite them to join us on Sunday mornings. The goal is to share Jesus, connect families to Christ and the church. So it's a great opportunity to impact our community. If you'd like more information, RJ Pasco will be at a table in the foyer uh, after the service. He has all the information if you want to register a student or if you'd like to be a part of serving and serve as a coach or a referee or any of the other areas. Uh, just see him at the table in the lobby and you'll learn more. It's a fantastic opportunity. I'm really looking forward to this. That when my kids were involved, uh, of course, it, it wasn't here in the church we went to. It was just packed hundreds of kids and families. And it's not unusual to have four or 500 students involved. And we have such a wonderful facility and I really want to see it used. And I hope you all do. Let's, let's use it on Saturday morning. Hey, it's typically vacant over there in the gymnasiums. I'd love to see 500 kids over there. Especially if about half of them have never heard about Jesus. Great opportunity. And I also want to share with you another opportunity. Make the most of this opportunity. We've been praying since the beginning of the year, taking time this month. Be bold, be bold. Speak the word of God with great boldness. Many of you have taken it to heart, and it's been wonderful. I've heard your stories. You send me emails. You send letters. They're encouraging. They're uplifting. You've been recognizing open doors. You've made efforts to share Jesus. Now, what might a next step be? You've talked to someone, you've shared the gospel. Yeah, how about an invite to church on Sunday morning? How about that? You might be saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, you know, every, every week you're talking about being bold and if I bring someone in here and the first thing they hear is be bold, they just might, they might not know what you're talking about. So I'm a little... I'll talk to them about Jesus off-site, but I don't know about bringing them here on Sunday morning. I want to put you at ease. I want to put you at ease. And I want you to know this. 
beginning next Sunday and through the month of October and into leading into the Christmas season. Sunday mornings, Sunday messages, Jesus 101. Jesus 101, all about Jesus. Every message is gonna be the gospel, the cross, the reason for the sacrifice of Jesus, why he redeemed us. Simply put, all about Jesus. You can feel free to invite in masses. Bring them in. Won't be telling them, oh, you gotta be bold and do this. No, no, no. Just be saying, listen, do you know about going from death to life? Have you heard about what Jesus did for you? We're not gonna be talking about divine election. I will not be contrasting Calvinism and Arminianism. That won't be happening. We can do those things and we can talk about the doctrines of the church, but I want you to know for the next couple of months, Jesus, 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 all about him. I want you to reach out and invite. This is a great opportunity to share Jesus and be comfortable to know when you come in, they're gonna be straightforward gospel messages. You can be involved, make the most, make the most of these opportunities. They're valuable, they have worth. You can get involved, whether it's even just helping someone online with a computer problem, whether it's being part of a simple prayer at the Warren Prayer Station, whether it's being involved to help a child learn about Jesus through playing basketball or cheer, or just making a simple invite to Sunday morning. A simple invite to church. These are opportunities that we can all be a part of. And finally, our focus for this month has been missions. And I want to close talking about our missions, the local and international missions we support. They're serving the kingdom of God. They're making an impact beyond the walls of the church. It's part of the reason that we support these ministries. The local ones enhance what we have been, what, what, what we can't do as a, a church or what we aren't perfectly equipped to do. Our local ministries that help people with all kinds of issues in life enhance what we can do as a church. We love to be able to direct people to these local ministries. The international ministries are bringing people to Jesus in regions that we could never reach. Your support for these ministries, year over year, is appreciated. And it's appreciated more than you know. I, will, I, I hear about it. I'll receive letters from our missionaries, whether it's a, a handwritten letter or emails, phone calls, and it's not just during the month of September. I'll receive notes from, uh, maybe it's a Dr. Saddam Sadek. He, he's written me notes, just says, thank you. Thank you. I've, I've heard from uh, Sharon Hester. Who's, she's in Africa right now, but she's been uh, great to make a phone call or write a note. Thank you. Thank you to Bethesda. Thank you to Bethesda for all that you're uh, contributing to this ministry. Our local missions, they'll send a note, send an email, make a phone call because they're grateful for all that you do. They're grateful for all the support that you have given. So let's make the most of an opportunity to bless these missions. You have this morning this little faith promise sheet. And by making a faith promise, you are enabling 
us to assure these missionaries that their support is going to continue into 2020. I'm not going to tell you an amount. I don't, I don't have persuasive speech. You know, Joanna was up here talking about not having eloquent words. I don't have eloquent words for you this morning to, uh, to persuade you to fill this form out. I just have a simple word from God's word. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Now, those of you who have been faithful, and you have for years been faithful to supporting the missions, you've gone above and beyond just supporting the local church, and you said, yes, I am going to give some to missions, you know the blessings. You know them. I don't have to tell you those. But if you've never done this, if you've never gone above and beyond a little bit, beyond just supporting the local church, if you've never done that, make, make a faith promise for 2020. And I will tell you this, you will not be disappointed. God is able to bless you abundantly. So I'm gonna ask you just to take a minute right now if you can, and let us know what you might do for 2020. And if you see on the, on, 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 this is the front of the form, on the back there is this scan code, the QR code. You can take your device and simply turn the camera on and it will, it'll take you right to an electronic form. So, so if you, there it goes. Wow, that worked like a charm. So, there's a couple of ways for you to do that. I just wanna, I wanna take a couple of minutes for us to do that right now. But before we do, let's just pray. Let's pray. Lord, we've been talking about your missions, your missionaries all month. But God, these are people in ministries that we support all year. We support from January through December. And Lord, we're grateful we're grateful for those that are they're helping people that sometimes are beyond our capacity or beyond our walls far away. But we're grateful for all that's going to the kingdom of God through these missionaries. Lord, I just pray you'd lay it on each heart, God, what you'd have for them to offer what you'd have for them to give. And God, we're assured. We're assured as we release to you out of the abundance that you've provided that you bless abundantly. We've seen it so many times. We're grateful for it. And we thank you for it. Lord, we just ask your grace, your presence, your peace, as we take the time to do this right now, in Jesus' name, amen.